The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water. Nine years ago, I decided if they, when they asked me if I wanted my own talk radio talk show, I said, yes, I'm going to call it the power of water. I've been researching for 35 years the concerns that I had about what is happening to our lives, the diseases, our symptoms. But I also had to look at the symptoms of the planet Earth as a living organism and life too. Earth is a species of life everywhere. And guess what keeps it alive? Water. Billions of years ago, the Earth had only the water vapor around the ball Earth. It was just water vapor around it, the vapor, the invisible water. You don't see it, but it's there. Then came the rain, then came the soil, and then came all the species of where we're at today, billions of years ago. Life on earth depends upon that water and the atmosphere to keep us alive. Now, the moment you were born and you left that pocket of water, to enter into the planet Earth, to live in the atmosphere. The atmosphere is what keeps you alive, that water vapor. It's serious. Now, where has that subject been? There are all the confusing words out there called moisture. People thought that moisture was the cream and the ointment and the eye drop. No. It's the water loss, evaporation. Moisture is water. So dry means water loss, moisture loss, evaporation of water loss, dry. Dry does not mean you lost your cream. doesn't mean you lost what It means you've lost water. You're evaporating. So today, to think about what is so important when you're listening to the Power of Water radio talk show, it's just keeping us all reminded, including me about the evaporation of each of us. So if I have a pain in the leg or I have a swollen abdomen or I'm drowsy or I'm not sleeping well or whatever, I have a sniffle, an allergy, a complaining eye, whatever it may be, I'm too dehydrated. I'm drying too quickly. I'm evaporating even more. Now, when that baby was born, and that baby entered into the air we're living in, the atmosphere is your greatest influence and how you breathe in that atmosphere, the breath in and the breath out. You've heard about breathing. Well, guess what? It's because you're breathing in atmosphere, water, 
that invisible water and you're letting it out, the water internally. You're recycling. So every time you breathe in, you breathe out, you're recycling the water in the atmosphere. Number two, you must drink eight to ten glasses of water a day. Now, I'll teach you how to do that. You get out of bed in the morning, the first thing you do is drink two full glasses of water. Try to make it warm. I even forget myself, but try to make it warm because it'll absorb quicker. Now, always remember, if you sip the water, it's not going to absorb. It's sipping. The tongue isn't even going to absorb it. You're sipping. So when you're drinking another glass of water within an hour, let it absorb. Throughout the day, the serious glasses of water are going to be the ones you drink down right away. Number three, your food. Of course, nutrition is vital. Now, technology and studies have been teaching us how important food is, diet, to, to retaining the water and eliminating toxin, the crepe, and living with the recycling of the atmosphere on outside of the body. The skin needs to be flexible. The skin needs to be agile. It needs to be like your sieve. Like your lungs need to be your sieve, your filtering system. So the food you eat has to digest for you personally. Don't compare to what somebody else is eating. You make sure it's best for you and study that. Number four, moderate exercise. If you're an athlete, yes, you're going to have moments of exercise that are going to get you the practice you need for exercise and keep you in training. But you're going to have off times to when you need to moderate that, to let the hydration back up, let the filtering system work without the tightening of the muscles. Be moderate. Number five, sleep like the earth has to sleep with the solar system. Now, remember the rhythm of your body? So far back, when they started the chanting, they started a song, they started the drum, they started to dance. They felt like so far along ago thousands and years ago, that that meant something was happening better. They felt better about themselves. It's because they're picking up a rhythm of the way the rhythm of Earth is living with the solar system. We're all living in that rhythm together. Don't push it. Don't go extreme. Try to stay in the ecosystem of the being moderate. Now, this week, remember... The brain is 80 to 85% water connected to the eyes in the womb at the same moment. And the surface of the eye is 99% water. And then when the eyelid is opening, you don't have a face mask over the eye. But if you're in a country where it wears face masks, you understand that water in the atmosphere. The water in the atmosphere is picking up all over the world, some countries more than others, a particle pollution. And in that particle pollution is a mixture of acids, metals, and other particles that are inside of that vapor that's invisible to you. Remember, you may not personally absorb it the way you need to absorb because it's, it's not going to filter well with you. Maybe you're not drinking enough water. Maybe you're not eating the proper food. Maybe you're not getting the proper moderate exercise and sleep and breathing. So always remember, there are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, no two anything alike. You've got a lot of things about you that are not like everybody else, that you're that unique. 
So remember, those particles in the air are your best friend. The breathing of your life is your second best friend. Drinking water, proper nutrition with green vegetables, fresh green, the darker the green, the better. Fruits that are not too full of sugar for you. Be sure and watch sugar and carbohydrates. It doesn't work. It turns too much toxin into the cell, and the cell cannot operate with the rest of the cells in the body if it keeps grabbing onto heat. The heat changes when the cells get too much toxin. I call that crepe. Manure heats up. You've, heard, you've known that about the organic farmers. So always remember what you need to do to evaporate because you're evaporating every day, but you need a healthy evaporation with the atmosphere. And the atmosphere needs to relate to your evaporation of your body. Always remember that. And those particles in the air are not as healthy as they once were so far back. But they didn't know what we know today, and we can do it. Now back to, I want to talk about California today. California Governor Ground announced the worst drought conditions for history. As we've been saying on this radio show, it was coming years ago. The former Governor Brown said they were going to build those canals so California wouldn't make any water mistakes. What did they do? The environmentalists gave too extreme. Everybody else became too complacent because the environmentalists were confusing everybody. And guess what? They turned off the canals and didn't feed into the aquifers for the agriculture because that's the only way you can feed the aquifers. If the rain isn't coming down, the canal assists it. Those aquifers need nourishment. The soil needs nourishing life. The soil is a living species. The water in the aquifers is a living species. Water is the first species to bring all life to earth. We better protect it. We're in a world crisis of water. The water wars in the Middle East have been going on forever because that sand didn't come about overnight and they need water. So always in the back of your mind when you think there's a conflict and there's wars between tribes and and anger and confusion and emotions, remember that could be because of water with what's going on behind it all. Water. It's vital to all cultures to live for thousands and millions of years to come. That's why this show. Now, today we have a really exciting guest. I'm really looking forward to him. We're going to be discussing with Justin Rode. He's author of Hiking Oregon and California Wild River Country. And he wants, we're going to be talking about some things that we've never discussed on this show. And I think we're going to bring out of him some real research developments some new discoveries, and you know on this show, when we're talking to any guest, we're researching and discovering together about new knowledge, new breakthroughs, new futures, new thinking, more holistic ideas. Even if the the person on the show has a PhD and all these credentials called classroom credentials, there are so many people out there studying with them called holistic scientists. I'm classified as a holistic scientist for over 35 years now to study what is happening to the environment called atmosphere and the symptoms of evaporation of the body and the planet Earth. 
We're going to listen to Justin, and we're going to hear more about what he's learning and how he's been hiking into forests called even the Bigfoot Trail and what they've been learning and fisheries. You don't go anywhere. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. As the earth needs mist, your eyes need mist. If the particles in the atmosphere are not healthy, Nature's Tears Eye Mist is tissue culture grade water. It is a healthy method of misting the eyes that must maintain 99% water to slow down vision impairment that could cause blindness. What is dry eye? Evaporation of the water in the tear film. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Justin Rode. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. I'm going to be introducing to you Justin Rode. And Justin has written a book called Hiking Oregon and California Wild Rivers Country. And Sounds like he's grown up a lot in around the valley here, and I'm sitting here in southern Oregon where a lot of this is ha- happening that he's going to be discussing today. Justin, are you with us? Hi, yes, I'm here. I'm sure glad you could do this today. I was really looking forward to it, and I was reading your website, and it's just breathtaking how well oh, it's thank done. thank you. And let's hear a little bit about you. Uh, when I bring people on from all over the world, I can't, we like to get to know the people we're going to be talking, I'm going to be talking with. And if I should interrupt, I don't take that personal. I do, because if you've said something, I want our audience to hear what you just said and understand it. Because sometimes we understand things that maybe they haven't understood what we just said. But tell sure. us about you, how you got where you're at here. You're, you're an author, you're hiking, you're looking for the Bigfoot trails. We'll get into all of that. But how did you get to where you're at, and what was the mission that you felt? Okay. Um, I got a degree um, from Prescott College in political ecology. Uh, Prescott College is a small university in Arizona, and I spent a, a bit of time 
um, studying the environmental movement and also conservation issues. And I'm going to back uh, you up right there. What is political ecology? It's a branch of political economy, which um, is sort of the relationship between people and the environment, has, and um, certainly economic issues play, play into that. Okay, let's so, follow um, there for a second. This is the first time we've discussed this. So this is psychologically people's emotions and opinions and outlook on the ecology? That has, yes. Um, okay. That's a fairly accurate description. There's a study and of that. I, Before we I go do on. Have, okay. Wow, that's, that's deep. <laughs> I so, also have a minor in um, eco-psychology. Okay. There we go. <laughs> um, so right. when I graduated, I was I was really burnt out. It was a it was a difficult difficult program, and I decided, um, me and my partner at the time, to visit Humboldt and um, venture up into a, a old growth redwood tree. And we spent uh, twelve days up in that tree, sort of connecting with the upper canopy, and um, fell in love with the. Uh, Pacific Coast, and um, eventually I got a job offer in Southern Oregon to mm-hmm. study the aftermath of the massive biscuit fire that burned through okay. here in 2002. Explain that biscuit fire to the audience worldwide. So it was um, two large fires that combined, and in it Southern was, Oregon, where about what was where was it located? Um, so ex- extreme Southwest Oregon, um, very okay. close to the border of California. Okay. Um, mountain ranges. Rugged, how, how high are the mountain ranges there? The the mountain ranges it's fairly close to the coast, so not more than six thousand feet. Okay. Uh, I compassed the Calmeopsis Wilderness Area, which is a rare spot. Um, it's yes. Um, it's seen that was seen as a catastrophic event. Although, um, it uh, for me personally, it changed my view of fire ecology and and the benefits of, of fire. Um, so that so obviously um, some areas burned hotter than others, and there was a loss of a canopy in in some places, which had a had a um, a large effect on the sort of natural environment. Um, so I studied the um, effects of the fire and also the effects of um, um, the uh, post-fire logging. So it's the, the salvage, salvage logging of fire-burned forests, which has become a hot issue in in this area. And there's I'm going to ask you. A, this is a good time okay. to ask you before we move on because there's so many interesting subjects today here. Yeah. On on what you were learning about, I have an outlook because I've been studying the atmosphere for over thirty years, and the and, and the atmosphere's impact on the dehydration effects of the evaporation of the human body and the Earth's evaporation. Um, what is your thinking in the forest that when we have all that dead brush and all the insects, the beetles and everything eating things, and and, and it's kind of like I recently. I had some plants in a greenhouse, and we, they were looking at them, and all of a sudden the slugs and the snails were just absolutely shriveling them within just three or four days. We were shocked where they started dying. And sure. you know what that is better than I because of your research. There's, there's 
soaking all the water, moisture out of the plants. And that's what insects do in the forest. Now, what is your thinking about the dead the d- dead shrub and the dead trees in the forest to leave it there and let those insects just go from tree to tree, bush to bush, to uh, to suck all the moisture out and 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 the the species will die. Well, I mean the bushes um, and, the, and the trees. I I haven't spent too much time thinking about that, but I sh- I should say one of the biggest surprises for. Um, fire-killed forest that I found is that the trees themselves um, did obviously become bug-infested, you know, the bugs come in, but it really brought out the critters. Um, the woodpeckers expanded their range and had um, were very successful after the fire. So I, um, in, in some ways, there are, there are obviously, it's a complex issue, but um, what I saw is that once a tree dies, it becomes sort of a supermarket for um, the, the other critters, and especially birds, avian species. Um, they are um, their populations are boosted in fire-burned forests, and in general, in the Pacific Northwest, with the logging and the planting of um, of you know one species of trees, we get a, a general lack of snags, snag habitats, and. So snag habitats are very critical for um, species like the spotted owl, the um, red tree vole, and other other critters. Um, obviously, there's um, other issues with drought and with um, heavy thick brush creating fire dangers. And um, I haven't really been, you know, studying that as much. My my um, principal focus is biodiversity and pristine. Uh, river systems. So yeah, we're um, going to talk about the river systems. Um, tell us about what you've been learning. As you were you were mentioning here, the word wild rivers, and of course we're living um, on a river, the Rogue River, which was designated with part of it as a wild river. What have you been learning about the rivers uh, that you've been studying? Okay, um, well the, the Rogue is. Um a great example of a very productive river. It's seen as um, second only to the Columbia River Basin. And um, I'm sitting here um, today at the forks of the East Fork, or the, um, the convergence of the East Fork and the West Fork of the Illinois River. Okay. And the Illinois River is the largest tributary of the Rogue River. It's also um, the most productive and the wildest, one of the wildest and most unaccessible river systems in the entire West. So down, just downstream of me, it enters this very rugged canyon, and then the Calmeopsis wilderness. Um, right. So there's no roads. Explain and, um, real quickly something about the Calmeopsis so they can understand the overview of the ecological wonder of what you just said compared to okay. the rest of the planet. Because yeah, I've so, been to the Columnopsis. I've been up the Illinois to the top there. Um, but they need to hear about the Columnopsis, how unique that was millions of years ago. Yes, it, it's a very unique and unusual place um, in North America. So in this area, we have 200, over 200 species of endemic plants. That, that means they don't exist anywhere else in the world. Cal- the Calmeopsis uh, name comes from Calmeopsis leachiana, 
which is a is an extremely rare endemic species. It's um, got bright uh, pink showy fla- um, flowers. So, and the reason for this is that this expanse, uh, what they what call peridotite or serpentine, is the largest ex- one of the largest expanses of orpheolite, of the Josephine orpheolite, um, on the planet. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive um, outcrop of serpentine. And serpentine is actually... Serpentine um, rock. Serpentine is serpentine a rock. Serpentine rock, uh, which is the oldest, some of the oldest rocks in Oregon. Now these um, are very actually... Rare. It's a very rare rock, rock compared to the rest of the world, too. It is very rare because it, it um, is formed under the, uh, the ocean's floor. It's actually compressed ocean floor that has been risen um, due to these major subduction events that occur, occur on, on along the coast. Okay, so let's follow that for just um, a second. Oh, God, we're going to have to have another show, I know. Okay, okay. Yeah. so the ocean floor, uh, the, the, that area used to be the, uh, an ocean floor, right? Um, it, they, they were part of um, these little island chains there we that go. were off the Pacific, and they were separated from the um, North American continental mass. um, They they possibly originated, you know, on the other side of the world, but um, because of the um, two plates coming together and one is subducted, and this this serpentine or orpheolite is actually raised up almost Mm -hmm. into these mountain mountains. And explain to um, the audience the rain water at one time in history that came there. there was an um, no, um, unbelievable amount of rain at one point, one year. And it, how, many, how many inches was that? Was it 500 inches? I'm, I'm not aware of, of a massive it's event like that, but I, I would not, I would not be surprised. Because yeah. the, it's, even though the, the area itself looks like a desert, and it's sparse vegetation. Well, yeah, it's because all of these rocks. Um, it looks like rock. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Very, um, but yet there's heavy water under there by an abundance um, amount of water. Yes, over um, between 60 and 100 inches a year annually, uh, which is a lot of water, and it's not unheard of to get 150 inches of water. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were major events, like you suggest, um, with either greater numbers. Mm-hmm. Would so, that, Justin, have a lot of influence with what's happening over in the Brookings area with all that, those rivers and all that water, rain that comes into Brookings, Oregon? Because Brookings is so unique. Yes. With, what, with, uh, it, with it, all it, the, um, the power of water, uh, especially when um, you get sediment in the water after a large event, the rocks start to move, the, the sediment is transported downstream, and that creates these really dramatic canyons and um, wide flood plains, unique uh, river system environments. And, well, um, air, air currents, air currents that are changing with the temperature. Yes, and Brookings is famous for the um, what they call the Chetco effect because called that an Chetco air current r- river yeah. system. Yeah, it draws yeah. the warm air from the Kalmyopsis there we go. down to the coast. That's what I was after. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the fisheries. Tell us about the fisheries. The fisheries are here in southwest Oregon or in California are some of the most pristine 
holding the highest concentration of wild and scenic rivers in the country. And the salmon, the steelhead, and the Pacific lamprey are, are legendary here. So um, right now I'm standing next to the west fork of the Illinois River. There's western pond turtles here along the edge. Uh, Canadian geese are floating nearby. We have mergansers. I'm looking for the Pacific lamprey, which is a freshwater eel, um, which may be present in this system at this time of year. Um, on the other wow. side of me is an incredible coho and chinook spawning area. Um, the coho is an endangered species. Now, are you are you on your cell phone? I'm on my cell phone, and I was going to um, say, are you actually standing down on the river? I am. I am. I was going to say, I don't want to miss this one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I envy you. <laughs> it's raining a little bit, and the oh, snow is, um, has come down oh, early. Be envious. Um, <laughs> so it, it's really spectacular here, and I, I recommend oh, visiting Justin, the Fort. How wonderful! Fort State Park. <laughs> Thank you. And breathe um, in, Justin. Breathe in and breathe out that moisture in the air. It's so fresh and clean. Yes, and precious. <laughs> so I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead and tell us what else you're noticing there. So in the in the summer, I conduct um, field work in the streams and rivers throughout uh-huh. Southwest Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. I work in the Umpqua National Forest. And uh-huh. the that's Shift another. Field. That's another one that's very unusual. It is. Um, I um, tend to start at the mouth and I work my way upstream. Mm-hmm. I divide habitats and, and measure the characteristics of each mm-hmm. habitat, and then we sample the habitats to see what the species composition is, the mm-hmm. fish species, aquatic biota, other aquatic biota, and then the uh-huh. um, riparian vegetation. Uh-huh. Wow. Now, what are they catching this time of year? This time of year, uh, the steelhead, winter steelhead, possibly. I haven't followed the um, the fisheries that mm-hmm. much uh, this year. Um, so probably, probably steelhead. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall, they'll have the Chinook and Coho runs. Right. Or, How beautiful. I, I'm sorry, Coho is more in the winter, but mm-hmm. Chinook's in the fall. Mm-hmm. Now, where is, that, where is the mouth of the Illinois begin at? It, Illinois um, River. It begins, um, I'm, I'm guessing, between 10 and 20 miles up, upstream from the mouth of the Rogue River. It's, it's, right, it's really close to Agnes, the um, okay. community, community of Agnes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm planning to go there this week um, for a little R&R. All right. So well, we're going to take a break. Don't you go anywhere, Justin. We're going to listen to our sponsor only once, and then we're going to come back, and you're going to tell us about all those trails that I know the world would love to hear about that's happening in this very historic region of the world here in the Valley of Rogan there in the Sisyphe. So don't go anywhere. You just stand there and enjoy. I hope it doesn't start pouring down rain. But we'll be right back, Sounds Justin. Good. Thank you. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know that the surface of your eyes 
is 99% water, depending upon the electrolytic ability to be able to absorb the water vapor from the air, the air that you don't see, that vapor. Well, when you can't absorb enough, there's vision impairment. The eyes begin to get dry, and that slows down the electrolytic ability for the eyes to have healthy eyesight. Well, there's nature's tears, eye mist to support that. With just a handheld, portable medical device supplement with just a mist of tissue culture-grade water. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Justin. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Justin, are you there? Yes. Well, we discussed quite a bit already, and before I move into your trails and what we want to teach the world about the trails you've been studying is when you're out there, have you noticed a change in the years that you've been, and yet definitely you're in research to do this because you've been writing books and your background is research too. Have you noticed a change in the atmospheres, water vapor, and the air in, in any of those regions that, that you've noticed? That's a tough question because this area... Um, could be identified as as a high um, diversity of climates, so mm-hmm. it's generally not um, one general climate. In other words, I, in this valley where I live, there's some very dry areas, and I can go into canyons that are extremely wet, and so it's 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 very complex. Um, mm-hmm. The diversity of habitats. And have you noticed that it has um, something to do with maybe the soil? Um, s- soil uh, is important. I the um, right now what I'm mostly noticing is um, the um, dates of pollination are changing radically. Okay. We're getting earlier springs, and um, I'm worried about the ability of pollinators to adequately pollinate plants. And um, I'm Explain thinking who the about... pollinators are for our audience to um, understand. You know, um, 
bees and birds and insect species that um, mm-hmm. visit and collect pollen from plants, and they share that with other um, individuals of that species so that they can repopulate and create mm-hmm. seeds and mm-hmm. um, continue. And so um, with this drought affecting the vegetation, if there is, uh, if we enter into an historic drought, we will see, um, in all likelihood, vast changes in vegetation. So now, have I'm you seeing... noticed a very much of a drought? I call that evaporation of water. I don't call oh, it drought. Okay. I think it's confusing to people. But sure, evaporation sure. of water. Have you noticed um, that very much in, in the area you're at there, where you're at right now? Trees are dying. Um, and uh, the mortality rate is increasing. We we are entering into disease, an age where trees are becoming diseased, and that was what causes trees to die. The drought causes stress. Um, we have right. um, um, a growing rate of um, bark uh, beetles, yeah. um, bark yeah. beetles infesting trees, right. um, and there's some other um, threats that I'm not um, that aware of. Um, mm-hmm. But I am seeing especially with pines, um, there is an increased mortality rate um, generally. How are the ferns doing? Um, Good question. Um, Well, the reason I do that is because when Earth began billions of years ago with just atmospheric water first, and then when the drops of rain came with the changes of temperature, uh, with the way the solar system was working with the moon and, and the uh, sun, but was uh, the fact that certain species began first. And um, uh, moss and sand, uh, moss, soil, moss, and ferns. And uh, ferns are a, a, an indicator of moisture, and moss is an indicator of moisture and fertile soil. Sure, sure. I, th- I think a, a um, botanist would be able to explain better um, because I just generally know um, mm-hmm. about plants. I don't necessarily study the biology um, mm-hmm. of those areas. Well, um, what, did, what do you observe, though? Do you observe the soil um, as you're hiking? I'm sure you do. Yes, definitely changes in vegetation and... and there we go. Um, um, dead trees, for sure. Uh, we have an increase in um, weather events that are um, in getting into the trails. We are just um, experiencing massive blowdown because the, stru- the storms are more powerful. They're coming at different times. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but did you know... Uh, going back to fun on this show, we discuss ideas and thoughts and opinions and, and, and research, the scientists I bring from all over the world. Um, is, have you noticed, like, when the atmosphere is keeping us all alive, that's the, what brought life to Earth, is the invisible water in the atmosphere, the water particles in the atmosphere. Yes. Um, and that influence for- on you, for you to be healthy, and there's no two people that dehydrate the same. And that's evaporation of water. And then you've got, you're looking at a tree. You're looking at the soil. You're looking at everything you're standing there looking at. Everything depends upon that water, atmosphere, vapor to stay alive. 
and uh, that's something, and, and that fresh water. Have you, have you noticed there where the Illinois River where you're standing is not as high as it used to be? It's a lower amount of water? Well, um, it's kind of a, we had an unusual event this week that's raised the water level. Uh-huh. So it's um, more of an unstable um, amount of water, or uh, not unstable, but unpredictable. I, I, yeah. In other words, you cannot um, predict what the level will be when the rain stops. Yeah. Um, we might actually, with the changes in the environment, get more water. It's just mm-hmm. that it's really the snowfall that we depend on for that late spring. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the effects are sharper mm-hmm. during late spring and summer because we're, mm-hmm. we're getting a, a, a serious reduction of uh, water coming from snowpack. Right. So the um, the amount of water could even increase, but the effects get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in general we're we're in this giant global experiment, and we don't really know what's going to happen um, exactly. Well, now we're going to discuss your hiking and uh, the hiking that you have been doing for research. Um, The trails, when you go on those trails that take you to where people may not have been, and this is what I was reading, people have not been there maybe, no signs of them ever being there. What have you been doing there with your hiking there? And then the pursuit of what's called the Bigfoot Trails, what does Bigfoot Trails mean to the rest of our world to listen to this? Okay. Well, I'm a cur- currently a graduate student in anthropology and archaeology. So one of my focuses is prehistoric trails across the Siskiyou Mountains. Mm-hmm. This area is, is largely undeveloped, and there are vast areas of the forest that remain intact and very wild. And so... It, those um, many of those prehistoric trails, um, they may have existed for thousands of years, um, can still be located in some places. And um, I am really interested in the, the history um, of those trails. What, what we find in this area is that um, when the rush of miners flooded in, they adopted the prehistoric trail system for their own use, and many of those later became the wagon roads and led to the development of our, um, later of our towns and, um, popu- you know, other populated areas. Um, so some of those areas, um, some of those um, older trails have been in- included in the recreational trail system, or we are in the midst of proposing some of those um, for use in recreations. Um, there, since the um, beginning of the Redwood National Park, um, they, they wrote in the management plan that they wanted to connect Redwood National Park to the nationally known Pacific Crest Trail. And Explain um, that to our listeners so they'll understand that. Okay. So... Um, this um, just east of Crescent City in California, uh, Redwood National Park. Um, there is a route that historically was used 
um, called the um, Historic Kelsey Trail, which um, went from Crescent City all the way to Wairika, about 100 miles. And um, various uh, folks over the years have proposed to actually op- reopen the Historic Kelsey Trail and um, create a long-distance trail that would connect Redwood National Park to the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh-huh. So I've been working on that for several years, and we have a proposal of a new trail that would help connect that um, from where I live out of the Illinois Valley. Wow. Now, Michael Kaufman, who's author of Conifer Country and various other books, has and also published my book, has had been working on an a extension of that trail going f- further south all the way to the Yolo Bowie Wilderness in Mendocino County, and that's about now, Mendocino is coming from Oregon going south of Calo- in California into California, and yeah, actually it, it would begin in Crescent City, California, but then would make its way through the Siskiyou Wilderness How and then go thousands into Oregon. Of acres would that, I'm sorry to interrupt. How many thousands of acres would that pertain to? I know that's a leading mm-hmm. question. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough question to answer, but I would um, guess thousands. millions. Millions. Of millions. Hundreds, millions. Hundreds of thousands. Um, it it's encompasses five national forests, so it's a, a, a vast area. The oh, trail, wow. um, so the Bigfoot Trail would... So it encompasses, um, encompasses five national forests, with what you're saying? Five national forests. Wow. Mendocino, Shasta Trinity, Klamath, Rogue River Siskiyou, and Six Rivers. Wow. So Six Rivers three, is where um, the Brookings area is at. They go down, yeah. that's where they come in. Okay. So um, we've sort of... I'm going to ask uh, you real quickly. Do you think okay. the Kalamaopsis has a lot of influence with all of that? The, the Kalamaopsis has been proposed to be included in that, and um, there, are, there are proposals to, to do an, um, a route that would connect the Bigfoot Trail into the Kalamaopsis. Okay. Um, we're sort of riddled with trail, trail maintenance issues, and... Um, yeah. The Rogue River Siskiyou is really an, um, now, in a hard place. Now, why did you call it Bigfoot? Okay. So um, the Bigfoot Trail, um, you know, it's just such a popular theme in this area that it was hard hard not to. Um, this was uh, Michael Kaufman's vision um, to begin with, but I really got excited about it because it um, connects to um, our, um, our sort of um, project to Crescent City. Um, and that would that it's a uh, 350 mile route through the Klamath Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't expect it to become so popular. Um, and I encouraged Michael to create a nonprofit and to put to really put it out there that we could work um, as a large community or or a sort of a series of communities working on this broad vision. So the, the theme of the Bigfoot Trail is that um, when you go walk through the Kalmyopsis, I mean, I'm sorry, when you walk from the Yolaboli Wilderness through the Trinity Wilderness, Marble Mountain Wilderness, Red Buttes Wilderness, Siskiyou Wilderness, you can encounter and, dis- and, and find 32 different species of conifer, the most diverse um, 
concentration of conifers on the planet, really. No, tell, tell, explain to our audience um, what a conifer, what is a conifer? Oh, man, um, a conifer is a, a species like fir and cedar. They don't le- lose their leaves in the wintertime. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm probably not the best best person um, No, no, no. When you say that. something, a lot of people wouldn't understand the description of what the cona- word conifer means. Sure, sure. So you can go through all these wilderness areas and see mm-hmm. all these conifers, mm-hmm. and then you go through these river systems that are so, some of the most pristine in North America. Um, really amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, now you call it Bigfoot, but we're back to the word Bigfoot. Bigfoot means there's something living out there that uh, people uh, assume that you wondered if that Bigfoot species was living out there, right? Is that what you meant by well, Bigfoot? Sure. I mean, um, I've I've spent so much time in the woods that I have become skeptical, and and Michael would say the same thing. Yet. It is. We leave it open for the possibility, and there is a great deal of um, interest in Bigfoot in this area. Um, it's it's a very mythical place. Um, I personally would be more excited to see a wolverine, but um, <laughs> nothing really surprises me at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> what kind of deer are out there? Oof! I believe it's a Black-tailed okay. deer. I okay. could be wrong, though. And yeah, what, a, um, a black I'm, I'm, bear, black bear, brown bear. We used to have uh, brown bears. Um, they're extinct. We have uh, wolves that are slowly moving in um, okay. to this area. They're um, currently just east of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and then you you said a lot of uh, different birds. What what are some of the birds? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm not an expert on birds, but the um, diversity of uh, species like birds, avian species, wow. lizards, butterflies, it's it's incredible mm-hmm. because it's just mm-hmm. such a pristine area mm-hmm. that um, was sort of um, it's because it's so rugged and in- inaccessible. It mm-hmm. it um, was was spared uh, human mm-hmm. development in in general. I mean, there's many threats to this area ongoing. We have massive strip mines being proposed right on the edge of the Kalmyopsis wilderness on Baldface mm-hmm. Creek, closer to Brookings. There's another massive mine complex proposed. Um, so you, there had are marble, some, you had Marble Mountain Mine that was there for 12 years in the old world. What is it looking like today over there? Sure. Um, the areas like that have... have I mean, it's um, this would be a, a personal feeling, but that um, many areas such as that have recovered greatly um, because we've it's been fifty or a hundred right. years. I don't know how long um, that um, it looked. I I have been there. Um, it looked extremely wild to me. Um, someone who had experienced that before might think differently, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Are you still with us? Yeah. I think. Oh, I'm glad. I thought maybe we lost you because I found out you, you know you're on your cell. Okay. Well, today now, 
these uh, trails that you've been working on that have becoming, um, are you going to write a book about those trails? I am currently um, working on ethno-history of this area. So I'm um, getting back into my um, my graduate degree in anthropology. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I um, am interested in working more on the Bigfoot Trail um, in um, networking with um, various tribes and mm-hmm. covering the ethno-history of that area, but that's just a proposal I've been exploring. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to reach out with uh, to various tribes, and um, now when you say tribes, uh, explain that to the our listeners. Um, so Oregon is is sort of complex in that we have um, for this area the confederated tribes of Silets or Silets. And we also have the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde, which means that um, this area is historically claimed or, or the homeland of multiple tribes, which... Now, you're um, saying the Native American Indians. That's correct. Right. Yes. Okay, so people around Na- the world know what you're talking about. Okay. Yes, um, sorry. Um, Native American tribes in this area, um, it... It's similar to the biodiversity in that it's a it's a complex, mm-hmm. um, diverse collection, if you will, of various uh, cultures or um, Native American tribal groups. Mm-hmm. It's um, now did they join? So they, Justin, did they join in with you and also assist you with the historical knowledge that they have? Uh, with the history of the ecosystem of that, all that? They have been really warm and open so, um, so far, but it's, I've just begun, so I haven't mm-hmm. gotten that many um, mm-hmm. replies back. And, and part of it is that um, it takes a while for me to be culturally aware of their, okay. of, of their particular issues, and, and okay. it's, it's, it's difficult to understand where they're going through sometimes. Well, we only have a minute left, and what would you like to say to the audience? We've been on the show now for quite a a while now today. What would you say is the most exciting part of your venture, of what you're doing? You only have a minute. Um, The most exciting um, thing that I've experienced is um, the ability to harness this chi energy when you're out in wild places, to mm-hmm. um, purify yourself of chemical contaminants that are in our atmosphere and our air and our, near our cities, you can go out into these wild places, and if you keep if you keep trying, you can drink from the rivers that have all these different organisms in these pristine areas, and you can hike to these high mountain peaks and experience um, sort of an, an energy renewal within, within you. Right. You know, you Lots can build up that fire, and you can take that back with you to your right. community. Right, therapeutically. Well, we're out it's of time. Very, very therapeutic. And so okay. if people to go to you, they go to www.kstrails.org, right? Um, specifically, if they would like to explain this area a little more, then they can find uh, maps and 
more okay. information. Um, okay. And I encourage you to um, check out backcountrypress.org. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, and I enjoyed being on your stroll along the mountains of Oregon and the Illinois River today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. You have a nice day. You too. And you be well. Bye. You too. Wow. Wasn't that fun when we found out he was standing with his cell phone next to the Illinois River in southern Oregon in the mountains out there in the Illinois Valley uh, talking to us, to the world, about the eco-wonders of this mountain ranges. And they are eco-wonders. I know years ago when I was preparing some studies with the evaporation of the human body and the atmosphere, the U.S. Forest Service was telling me that this valley in the southern Oregon area is an eco-wonder. The stories to be told are unbelievable about what has happened here through millions of years of nature's planning and not ours. But I want to thank you today for listening. Always remember, there is a water crisis, and this is the Power of Water radio talk show. We will discuss and discover together and plan a mission together. We want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life and somebody else's too. But Earth Whispers, never say goodbye. Leave something behind for generations of children to come to know you cared. We do care. Thank you for listening. You be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh, 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 oh,